Thank you so much again for being here today. My heart is so full to see our sanctuary this way. For those of you who were with us last night um, at the Christmas Eve celebration, wasn't that wonderful? Oh my goodness. We, uh, we had a Christmas Eve service with our El Cajon New Life Church family and Pastor Dave Hazel there, and it was such a wonderful time. But uh, children, you're not being dismissed today. You're going to stay in the service, all right? And part of the reason why you're going to stay in the service is because there's a rumor that at the end of service, there's going to be snow in the sanctuary. So we, we want you to be here when that happens. And that's for all of the adult children in our church as well, too. So we will, we will invite you to come forward when that day comes. Um, today is the last Sunday in Advent. And um, during the whole Advent season, I've had the great privilege to preach with my staff. We started off with Jeff and then Robert. Um, and last Sunday, um, I was supposed to be preaching with Pastor Paul, but uh, he was ill. And please pray for Paul because he's not here today and he's still trying to recover. And so breathe a prayer for Pastor Paul as well, too. And, and at, at the end, I said, you know, I'm going to I don't get the chance to do this too often. Maybe in 20 years at, at, at the Bridge Church in Hawaii. We preached together maybe once or twice, right? And I thought, what a great way to end off the, the, uh, the Advent season. And I, so I asked my wife, Rochelle, to share the message with me today. And, and uh, she, she gladly and rejoiced <laughs> that she could get the chance to do this. So I'm going to turn it over to Rochelle. <laughs> well, good morning, everyone. Merry Christmas. So good to be with all of you. Uh, well, as you know, Gordon has been preaching um, the past several weeks on the Christology of Luke chapter 2. Uh, and I don't know about you, but I love learning fancy words because, you know, it makes you sound smarter, seem smarter. So I've enjoyed learning more about this word Christology, which is the study of the nature of Jesus. And Gordon mentioned last Sunday that the reason for understanding the Christology of Jesus and why that's so important um, is because it really, the Christology is not static. So our knowledge of Jesus does not stay the same. It grows just as our relationship with Jesus deepens as we grow in our faith. In Luke chapter 2, we see the progression of this Christology, our knowledge of Jesus, and, and it really helps illustrate how our relationship with Jesus grows. So in Luke chapter 2, verses 10 to 11, the angels say to the people there, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah the Lord. Well, the focus of our Christology has been in seeing Jesus as Savior, as Messiah, and as Lord. And as we look at Jesus as Lord today, it's one of the, the three ways that we see Jesus in this passage. Now, the Christology of Christ goes far beyond seeing Jesus as Savior, Messiah, and Lord. There's the incarnation He's called the Son of Man and the Son of God. And so there's so much there. But we're just looking here at Luke chapter 2 
and focusing on the declaration of the angels to the shepherds on that day. And so we're just looking at Jesus as Savior, Messiah, and Lord. And of the three ways that the angels proclaim who Jesus is, I will tell you that Jesus as Lord is the most challenging way for people to accept who Jesus is. Even though when we all talk about Jesus, we call him Lord, right? Oh, Jesus. We see this a lot in sports. I, I do watch a little bit of UFC. You guys know what UFC is, Ultimate Fighting Championship? And when one guy knocks out the other guy, and he says, I want to thank my Lord and Savior Jesus. It's kind of weird, but, but it's challenging for, for people to accept that when, when we talk about Jesus as Lord, even though we refer to Jesus as Lord all the time, we, we may not understand the full context of what it means to call Jesus as Lord. See, the reason why I believe Jesus as Lord is challenging to accept is because there is a cost. There's a cost for making Jesus our Lord. And, um, and, and we don't talk about this in this way, but I, I thought this was a good way to, to explain it. That there's a spiritual transaction that takes place when we encounter Jesus and when our relationship with Jesus grows. This, this spiritual transaction, we understand it this way because when we talk about the sacrifice of Jesus, so often we say that Jesus paid it all, right? And, and, and we sing that old song, you know, Jesus paid it all. So the transaction then for us when it comes to seeing Jesus initially as our Savior, we know that Jesus made a huge investment into each of our lives when he gave up his entire life so that we might find salvation. And in that salvation is so much that Jesus gives to us. Forgiveness from our sins. Redemption into the family of God. And then that beautiful verse that we love to quote in John 3.16, God gave us the gift of eternal life. And so we are the recipient. We receive so much in this transaction when Jesus becomes our Savior. But in this transaction, there's something that we give as well, don't we? When you accepted Jesus as your Savior, what did you offer Jesus? <laughs> we offer Jesus our, our sins because that's what we ask him to take. Forgive us of our sins, dear Lord. And so when we get the very best of Jesus in salvation, we offer Jesus the worst of who we are. Isn't that amazing? That in this transaction that we make with Jesus, we, we get the very best of who he is when he comes into our hearts. Cleansing, forgiveness, redemption. And then, Jesus, you take my sins. <laughs> but here's the beauty of it all. It doesn't just end there. Thank the Lord. As we grow in our relationship with Jesus... When Jesus becomes more than just our Savior, there's a, there's a different part to that transaction. And, and, and Rochelle, do you want to share that? Yeah. So the spiritual transaction with Jesus then as Messiah does cost us more. We looked last Sunday 
at, the, at this very fact. And when Jesus becomes Messiah, we move deeper in our relationship with Jesus. In Matthew chapter 16, Simon Peter recognizes Jesus as the Messiah, and he says, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus responds, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Jesus will build his church on those who recognize him as Messiah. It's the process of maturing in our faith and growing into the person that Jesus calls us to be. Those who call Jesus Messiah are the ones who seek to grow in grace and become more like Jesus. That's why Christology is so important. We need to know the fullness of who Jesus is so that we can live into his character. I mean, think about it. How can you imitate someone you don't fully know, right? Uh, And so truly knowing Jesus allows us to imitate Christ. So the spiritual transaction is still heavy on God's part. God gives us the best of who Jesus is. And as we grow in our faith and we see Jesus as Messiah, we leave behind the things in our past. Simon Peter left behind his life as a fisherman. Matthew, the disciple, left behind being a tax collector. And it's here that we become followers of Jesus. We follow his teachings and we follow his example. And as we continue to grow in our faith and in our relationship with Jesus, this leads us to take the next step and make Jesus Lord of our lives. And so the spiritual transaction to make Jesus Lord does cost us more. It costs us a lot more. But it only costs us as much as Jesus gave. And we know that Jesus paid it all. And that's the expectation of what it means to call Jesus Lord. To give all of ourselves to Him. Complete surrender of our lives. That's the call of God to us to make Jesus Lord. In fact, Jesus even said that to his disciples in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. In this passage, Jesus says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up the cross daily, and follow me. Followers of Jesus, those who call him Lord, are called to deny themselves. Not my will, your will. And to take up the cross daily. To deny yourself is pretty hard, wouldn't you say? As that we begin the new year, one of the traditions here at Mission Church is that we go on a fast and we'll, we'll do the Daniel fast together. And we did it last year and, and I, I say to you, it, it was challenging because the things that I wanted to eat, I couldn't. <laughs> and I had to deny myself. But there's a purpose and a reason for that. And then Jesus says, for all of us to take up our cross daily. We read that in in, in the passage here, and and it's hard to, to know the context of what that means. But for the people of Jesus' day, they understood. A cross for them meant something totally different than a cross for us. We see it as a beautiful religious symbol. In Jesus' day, you know, the cross was a symbol of death. And so when Jesus says, take up your cross, they're like, 
Wow. Be ready to die. Die to yourself. That's what Jesus is talking about here. It's, it's to give up and, 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 and surrender our selfish desires. To surrender our self-centeredness. And here's my problem. To surrender our self-sufficiency. I'm the kind of guy that can do a lot of things by myself. I kind of pride myself in that, you know? There's some things I, I, I know I cannot do, and that's when I ask for help. But if I can do it, and I think I can do it, I, I go for it. I, I do it on my own. And, and this happens in our spiritual lives as well. And the call of Jesus to make him Lord is to lay down all of these things, our selfishness, our self-centeredness, and our self-sufficiency, so that we can totally rely on God. That's what making Jesus Lord is all about. Because if I'm in charge, then I get to do what I want to do. Right? But when Jesus is Lord, then I live my life to do what he calls me to do. And that's why it's so challenging to make Jesus Lord, because honestly, I want to be in charge, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And kids, you know what this is about, right? Um, How many times, kids, be honest, have you said, you're not the boss of me? (laughs) Right? I know that. Adults, right? Have you thought that at least? You're not the boss of me. It's hard. It's hard. Husbands, you especially know what that means, right? (laughs) You think it, I know. You're not the boss. Because it's hard. It, we all like to be in control of ourselves, right? So what does it look like then? We want to be in control of ourselves, and yet we need to make Jesus Lord. How does that look? Well, Gordon often says that the things he loves the most about Jesus, and I would agree, is that Jesus never asks us to do anything he doesn't do first. Jesus called his disciples to love their enemies and to pray for those who persecute him. Jesus did this in Luke chapter 23, 34, while he's hanging on the cross, no less. Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. In John 13, 1 to 15, Jesus washes the disciples' feet and then tells them that they should wash each other's feet. And in Luke Chapter 9, Jesus invites his disciples to deny themselves and take up their crosses. Again, Jesus was the example. Recognizing Jesus as Lord calls people to be Christ-like disciples. And the Lordship of Jesus calls disciples to surrender to him, just as Jesus surrendered to us, to save us. As the quote from Hudson Taylor says, Christ is either Lord of all or he is not Lord at all. It's a big call. This call to make Jesus Lord. The the word Lord really comes from the Hebrew name of God, Yahweh. And for the Jews... They, they revered God so much that they wouldn't even speak his name. Nor would they even write 
His name. And so instead of calling God by name, Yahweh, they, they gave a title so that they can actually refer to God. And that title was Adonai, the Lord, or my Lord. And in Greek, that, 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 that translated into Kyrios. And so here in the United States, we, we don't use the word Lord very much in our vocabulary. Maybe except as we reference God when people say, I want to give thanks to my Lord and Savior after they fight in UFC. But in the UK, they, they still have an understanding or they use that title in, in their lives. And it's a different context from how the word Lord is used in the Bible. As, as we humanize this word Lord, as they, they use it in the UK, it has a reference to power, to nobility, to authority. It talks about ruling others when you refer to someone as Lord. And, and I think that's not exactly what the Bible was talking about, Rochelle. No, when we look at Jesus as Lord, the example he left us is the opposite of the way the word uses Lord today. Instead of being a Lord that is to be served, Jesus as Lord shows us a very different way. Jesus is a servant Lord. And this is how the Apostle Paul calls us to become more like Jesus. Jesus reframed the definition of Lord by refusing power and choosing to serve others rather than to be served. In Philippians 2, 5 to 8, Paul challenges us, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being obedient, oh, and found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. The paradox of a servant lordship is life-giving, a lord who seeks to serve rather than being served. But this is not what the world teaches. In our world of upward mobility, the seeking to lead and lording over others, Jesus brings this biblical example of lordship, of serving God by serving others. But that's challenging for us to do because we live in this world where being served is so highly prized. Yeah. And so when we look at the example of all the Christology that we've looked at, of who Jesus is, of being Savior, being Messiah, and being Lord, the foundation of all of that is built on this foundation of humility. From Jesus' birth, everything about his birth was not one of nobility, not one where we are called to, uh, to, to, to serve him. It was one of just deep humility, even throughout his life. And even in his death, everything was built on this whole idea of humility and surrender. And the Apostle Paul then calls all believers to live humbly and surrendered lives. And it is in this surrender that we make Jesus Lord. 
In Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, Paul says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. This is a reference back to Jesus when he calls us to uh, pick up your cross, to die to ourselves, to be living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. We're talking about that, Rochelle, of what it means to be Lord, right? Don't conform to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Wow. His call is to be a living sacrifice, to be humbled and to be surrendered. And it reminds me of this beautiful song we used to sing back in the day, I Surrender All. You remember that song? I love it because when we sing that, we are calling Jesus Lord. But in that song, there's a beautiful reference to the beginning of our relationship when he becomes Savior. Rochelle, would you help me? Can we sing this song together? Just the first verse. If you don't know it, the words are right here. And when we sing this song, may it not just be a song that we sing. May it be a prayer that we pray. And if you really believe and want to call Jesus Lord, then when we pray this, let's mean every single word of it. All to Jesus I surrender. All to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust you in your presence daily live. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender. In the journey of our Christology, we begin with accepting Jesus into our heart. That's what makes him our Savior. He gives us the best of who he is. We are forgiven of our sins, redeemed into the family of God, and given the beautiful gift of the promise of eternal life. And then, as we grow in our faith, as Jesus becomes more than a Savior to us, as He becomes the Anointed One, the Christ, the Messiah, there is a call for us to turn our back on who we were. Repentance. Not going down the same road from which we came. There is a transformation that takes place in our lives. Because if we're the same person that we were when we were saved, all throughout our life, what difference does Jesus make then except a free ticket into heaven? And that's not the call of why Jesus came. There's a deeper relationship to be had where we are transformed into the likeness of Jesus and this is what prepares us for when Jesus comes again. And this leads us to Jesus becoming our Lord when we fully surrender all to him. 
Because in the end, church, it's really not how much we have of Jesus that will make all the difference in the world. It's how much Jesus has of us. This is what leads us to, be, to Jesus becoming Lord of our lives. And I, I really love, we shared Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, where the call that Paul gave us to have our, in our relationships with others to have the same mindset of that as Christ Jesus. This is how the passage ends in verses 9 to, uh, to 11. Paul tells us the final result of Jesus as Lord. And, and as we close our service today, would you stand with me and would you read this passage of Scripture with me? Let's read this together. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. I pray this Advent we can surrender all and make Jesus Christ our Lord. Would you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you in your great love have chosen to, to come, Lord, and live among us. To, to, to show us how to live and then to be our Savior, to be our Messiah, and to be our Lord. And God, I pray that we, each and every one of us, would grow in our own way, in our own walks with you, that we would grow deeper in our knowledge of you. And I know, Lord, that as we, we grow to know you more, we will love you more. And as we love you more, God, that we would surrender those parts of our lives that, that, that you've been asking us for, Lord, that we would surrender our futures and our will and our, our ways, and we would make you truly Lord of our lives. Can't think of a better gift than to give you this Christmas, Lord, but to give you all of us. God, would you show us what that means to be Lord. And God, we love you. We thank you for this beautiful gift that we celebrate on Christmas. Would you be glorified, God, in all that we say and do. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name.